So Kelly, I have another tale from my box. <laughs> okay. Is it a good, is it a good tale? Well, I don't think you can beat the tale that I told during the rope climbing episode. If anyone missed that, go back and listen. I'm not going to repeat it, but this is about CrossFit. Okay. And well, I I, it is about that kind of a box. Sarah. It's about, yeah. It's about okay. like CrossFit box. Yeah. To be clear. <laughs> Um, just so people don't have expectations. Um, okay. So it's about weird and stupid injuries. Cause I actually want to hear from people on this. Okay. So I've had this one before, but this was really bad where we had a session last week where like, a oh, sorry, a wad, which is what you call a, a workout. Work, you can just say a workout, Sarah. Okay. And, and okay. Uh, that it involved a hundred sit-ups. Right. But it right. also involved 100 pull ups and 100 push ups, which I'm really, oh, really slow. Yeah, I've at. done that one before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I was really slow in the first half of the workout. And so by the time I got to the sit ups, in order to make the time, I just like cranked out, like, because I'm way better at sit ups than anything else. <laughs> just like cranked out 100 sit ups. But in the meantime, I'm chafing the shit out of my sit bone. Really? Okay? Yeah. Now, and when I say that, I mean it. Like, like I came home and I had it like a, this is t- a terrible analogy for people to think about my arse, but I'm going to say it. It's, it was like a oozing, weeping, like large wound. Like when my husband saw it, he like recoiled in horror. Okay. <laughs> right? And so. <laughs> and you and didn't stop that, like, at any point and be like, huh, maybe, I, maybe I should stop. It was a stop. little painful, but it wasn't, it wasn't out of control at the time. It was only after. And so then it was like hard to sleep. It was hard to sit down on the sofa. Like for a week, it's only just got to the point where things are back to normal. So I guess what I'm wondering is, do other people have like stupid injury stories? That yes, are- everyone has stupid injuries. Probably right. not that stupid, but pretty <laughs> stupid. You want to know what my current problem is? Now that you reminded me, you know how at swim run, everything was chafing. Mm-hmm. I have a massive scar across my ankle, Sarah, still. And it looks ugly. It looks like I have scabies. I have a scar from the timing chip. Ouch. That is a yeah. stupid injury. Yeah. <laughs> I probably have a scar on my ass. So there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. So the take home point is I would like your stupid injury stories because we may tell a couple during another Tales from My Box segment, but it doesn't have to be CrossFit injuries. So just email me, Sarah Noh at livefeisty.com. Okay. So coming up on the show. We have the women's race at Ironman, Wisconsin. Do we need an elite amateur category in Ironman? The Kona slot allocation system, which we talked about last week, but this week Kelly has all the info. Jan is out of Kona. And we have a listener question about breaking up with your coach. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. 
Kelly, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to us. To us. One year ago. Today we had, today's Wednesday when we're recording. We had the 52nd episode. Is that correct? Right. Of the newsletter. Of the newsletter. And Mm -hmm. if you're paying attention, 52 weeks equals a year. So... (laughs) If you're paying attention, if you're not paying attention, it still equals a year, but. (laughs) So I just want to say to everybody, email Kelly and tell her how awesome she is and how much you love the newsletter because we're so grateful for the newsletter after a year. After a year. Uh, I did get some feedback at Ironman Wisconsin this weekend. So that was nice. I met Mm -hmm. a fan. She listens to the podcast. A couple people also said they recognize my mom's voice. So my mom was at wisconsin with me your mom's basically famous basically um, famous. but i understand you had some observations about well, the, yeah so the i was race. just spectating i wasn't racing my husband was racing have you done iron man wisconsin iron man wisconsin was my first and i'm gonna say this chooses my words wisely my first attempt at iron man i ended up in the ambulance oh so did my husband it's so it was the last race to go to a full rolling start uh, I think this year was actually the first year because they did, when I did it three years ago, it was still in water, mass start. They did wave starts for a year or two. And then this year was the first rolling start. And it was like a shit show. I was standing right by the athlete corral where they were going in. And I literally explained to maybe three or four athletes how it was supposed to work, what they were supposed to do. And well, there were, you know, 2000 other athletes then that I didn't explain it to. So it didn't, it didn't go well. It was definitely a mess. I don't know if they just like didn't get the message. If it's because the beach was really cramped because of the flooding. It was small. Like, so there wasn't enough room for people to line up by pace or if people just don't understand. There seems to be a disagreement over whether it's first come first serve or self seating, you know, like if, right. Right. And what it's, is it? Is it it's supposed to be self-seating? That's what but I then everyone acts like it's first come first serve, right? So then they get all annoyed and weird and it's all mixed up. And, and you know when people do the whole thing, well, I need extra time. I should be in front. And you're like, that's a terrible plan. Just yeah. so you know. It's Start not with all the fast well. people when you can't swim. That's right. So it was point. definitely really mixed up. And by the time people got out of the swim, basically the the gap, the 10-minute gap between the pro women and the start of the age group field had like more or less been made up and it was all mixed up by the, like by the start of the bike, it was all mixed up. You like, couldn't really tell who was where, uh, Lindsay Corbin won. It was a pro women's only race. So Lindsay Corbin won by a lot. And then there were a few pro girls that were significantly ahead of the amateur women. Like you could still tell they were in the pro mix, you know, like the next four or five, but then honestly, like it got really mixed up because the top amateur women, this weekend isn't we're really really fast like mm-hmm. did like the third fastest times of the day obviously it's a different race they were in a different race but they so it got really mixed up in there you couldn't tell what was going on there was and because of the whole like rolling start bullshit like not going well and there was like really slow people in front of really fast people for like quite a while into the bite it was it was a mess, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, outside of knowing those specifics about the rolling star, it, just looking at the women's race was really interesting because it, it sort of exemplified to me 
like everything that's wrong with, with everything the women's race. Oh no. With the women's Not that race there was right anything now. wrong with the women racing. I like, no, 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 no. All those with the women's did a good race. job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone did a good job is like with the race itself and the way things are set up right now. So there's, there's not a lot of incentive to go pro in the first place. Right. So your second and third tier pros and your top tier age groupers are very they're close. The same. Yeah. They're the same people. They're the same the, people. The people they, who are racing top of the age group have qualified to race elite. Some of them have qualified more times than I've qualified, right? Like many, many times. Yes. And there's no difference between them and me. Right. And if there's all. no incentive to take your pro card, then, then I can understand from a personal perspective why it's better to win an age group than maybe come 10th in an Ironman or not get a prize or whatever, or that you have more sometimes sponsorship opportunities as someone who wins, like you're better to win a category of something. Yeah, but that's just stupid. I mean, that gets into why should there, why are you sponsoring an amateur race? And then you're like, well, it's not really amateur. Let's stop pretending it's amateur. And let's start being real about the fact that you're winning a thing that, you know, you're beating up on people that aren't in your category. Like you're not in the right category. Right. I hear you saying that you think there's a bit of sandbagging going on. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the system as it is set up Mm -hmm. has mixed up the, like I came away from Wisconsin being like, holy shit. I know I've said this before, but this race made me be like, wow, there really need to be multiple categories. We need to stop acting like every person out there is out there for the same reason that you know, the, both the guy and the girl, because I think they're married, who won the amateur races are not there for the same reason as the guy doing his first one or as like the vast majority of athletes who are going to like who are solid triathletes going to do like a 13 hour Ironman are not the same as the like semi pro with sponsors who right? these are different things. And like the fact that you are getting to go to your sponsor and being like, I won out of all these people. You are pointing at things, people you have no business beating, right? Like that is not a thing you should be bragging about. Does that make sense? There needs to be another category. We need to recognize that there are different experiences for different people. And if we created multiple categories, it would be safer. It wouldn't be like such a, you wouldn't have like the the people swimming an hour 30 in front of the people swimming 50 minutes and getting swum over. And you wouldn't have, we know, we know that there are more and more of those bike crashes where like a fast person's passing a slow person. Like I saw someone almost take out Lindsay Corbin because they were, you know, weaving. Like obviously they were new, like trying to get a hold of themselves. And Lindsay was like bike course record flying by. And it was, I mean, I literally was like, ah, like, oh God. Oh, it was, it made me nervous. Yeah. And we know that's happening. We know that those things have like increased. Well, and I think there's like, there's little factors, like there's not a lot of stepping stones for people who are looking to, who go from like age group podium or age group winning to go pro. There's not a lot of support or help or sponsorship. Other than like us offering our support. Our support (laughs) that we will give you a pat on the back. (laughs) Um, And then also you have like, I think further up, you know, I think this speaks a little bit to the issue with 50 women to Kona and why we press so hard to have equal slots, because if you have, if you create more opportunities at the top, then more pro women will aspire to go to Kona. So that gives them incentives. And then more women will, you know, aspire to become pros because maybe they could go to Kona. But as the system is right now, you're probably not going to get to go. One of the most (laughs) common, obviously, like, a lot of my friends are top age groupers, mid-level pros, right? And one of the most common things I hear about why they don't move up is, well, I wouldn't get to go to Kona. And you're like, oh, see, that's not, I mean, that's them. That's your own personal choice. 
it's still on you to make your choices, but that's the system screwing things up. Totally. Totally. I think, I don't know. I, there's a, there's a number of like, it's not just, it's not, it, it's sort of Iron Man's fault. I mean, they have some responsibilities in there, but it's also like how we mentioned earlier, how the industry will support age group winners often more than they'll support a first year pro. Right. You Which also is- like, you don't have a development system at all. Like not like a federation where the countries are trying to create the next champion. No one, some countries are, but there are very few countries who really care to create their next Iron Man champion, right? Those people are often doing it themselves, you know, they work, <laughs> they work with themselves. You, you fight, like you fight your way into winning Iron Man or winning Kona. And there are, of course, people who come from the ITU system and they've been developed as athletes. But anyone who's not come through a federation system and Olympic distance racing doesn't really have uh, any development system. So I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, part of the answer is changing our attitude. That whole thing about like sponsors like supporting age groupers because they're more relatable. I mean, that's only because we've made that true. You and I both know the story like Jenny got second uh at Wisconsin this weekend her Jenny like Hansen. comeback yeah her comeback story posts like her accidents like crazy right mm-hmm. uh Katie Thomas was third Katie works a full-time job like as like a at a hospital I'm pretty sure Robin was fifth this was her first Ironman ever she works a full-time right like we know these stories we know they're the same as the age groupers those just aren't getting out there and so like I think our attitude needs to change and we need to start recognizing that those people are the same and they're doing just as crazy good and that we need to have like more respect for that than for continuing to win your age group and not moving. Right. Like we need to like treat that as like the crazy thing. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's true. Um, like the person who took the leap, you know, right. the person who like, takes wow, the leap is the person who yeah, yeah. took their pro card, went for it, went in to try to get podium at an, at an Ironman at, against all odds. Kind of I also so. think so the girl who won the amateur overall this past weekend I mean she ran like the fastest time of the day granted Lindsay was like 30 minutes ahead and might have slowed down a little but probably didn't have to push it probably didn't have to push it but this girl ran like a three flat and uh, I think had like the third fastest time and my mother-in-law goes does she just not want to win money so, <laughs> there's excellent that. question excellent question <laughs> But I did have somebody email me, Sarah, because obviously I made this argument in the newsletter and someone emailed me to ask, like, how would that work if we created different categories? If we had like a pro, an elite, elite amateur and then like an age group, what would be the criteria? How would it work? What would we if we were in charge? What would we do? Oh, man, that is a loaded question. (laughs) I'd be like, here's my idea, Iron Man. Take care of it yourselves. Come up with some brilliant. There are smart people working for Iron Man. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, there are like, you're like, there's just, I mean, there are a lot of different ways you could do it, right? Absolutely. Like, there used to be an elite amateur category in a number of triathlons that was like an opt in kind of thing. And it put you in like a different category and eligible for like the overall set of awards. And it put you first in, you know, you got to start first. You had all the, there were other benefits. Kind of the same way in marathons, there's often like an elite amateur and you get to start at the front. There's like a tent for you. You get, you get like perks, right? Well, maybe one of the perks is that you get to qualify for Kona. Potentially. Maybe that's it. Potentially. for Kona, but maybe, you have to be in that category. Right. You, that you have, and if you want to win awards, you have to be in this like competitive category. Maybe that's the way you do it. Maybe you set like criteria and you're just like, if you win so many races, whatever your criteria, if you're X amount good, you could do it by time, by place, whatever. You have to like, you eventually, you have to move up. You have to compete in this category now. That's the way cycling does it, right? They have categories and there's forced upgrades and downgrades after you do X amount good. And then it just is what it is. You could do it that way. 
one thing you can't account for is the person who's doing their first Iron Man and then they right, happen then, to win their age group. But that's like, that's fine. And then you're like, okay, now you know you're really good. Right. Now you move up. Right. Like, it's not like a first, like, it's not like, it's not like we expect you to know if you're going to be the next Lucy Charles right away. But right. if you are going to be the next Lucy Charles, then you move up and you okay. do that. Yeah. That's a, that's a stepping stone right that's there. A stepping stone. You could also just, I also totally recognize that like the older age groups, it's like even the really, really good 59 year old, like is a little bit different than the really good 29 year old. Like they don't necessarily sure. want to be. So you could even do it where you had like an open, a masters, a super masters event, right? You could do it more like that. The way running does sometimes mm-hmm. there are options, Sarah, there are options. I do. I do really like the idea of an elite amateur category. I also partially from the point of view of knowing who's in the race. Like I've never been a huge fan of the rolling start because it's just like we've talked about before. It just ends up being a bunch of people exercising together. Like if you're watching a race, you want it to be a race where everybody started on a line and everybody goes, it's like, this is like the basis of what racing is. Like who can get the fastest from this line to that line? I know. know. And it's, it's, it was very much a mess watching this weekend. Cause Mm -hmm. at that point you're also relying heavily on like a tracker system, right. To know what's happening. And shockingly, that doesn't always work. It just stops working completely. Right. And then you have no idea what's happening. So I'm hearing that we don't have all the answers, but... I'm saying there are many answers. There are many answers. This Excellent. is not a lack of solutions. This is a right. lack of, of questions right now. There right. are many answers. Totally. And we want to hear from people on this. So you guys send in your thoughts. Tell us what you think. The other thing I did spend a lot of time trying to figure out this week, Sarah, was the... Uh, age group Kona allocation system. Okay. I understood that you um, heard from an expert on this. Yes. So Russell Cox, Russ Cox is a coach in the UK and he crunches all the age group numbers. He does like, he has charts and stats and spreadsheets of like changes and finishers at every race, average times, how many slots. So he figured out a few years ago, this and made a spreadsheet, which someone has sent me, sent me the spreadsheet of the old formula for how they allocated slots the old formula. at a race. Yes, because the okay. formula has changed. So the old formula, you would first, like at a race, you'd be like, okay, here are all of this. And it's starters. Do you know how many people emailed or called or texted me to I tell know. me that they it was it's starters, not finishers that determine Kona slots? Okay. Well, the number of starters, and, it's, and then it's decided proportional to those right. kind of numbers. So, you, go, That's why so you, have, so you have all the starters in all the age groups. You have your big spreadsheet. You go through the age groups. Every age group that has a starter gets one slot, like right away, first day, like immediately so everyone gets a slot and then you take the remaining slots and you kind of like calculate the percentage of starters you know and in proportion to the remaining number of slots does that make sense and so you get some number like this this group would get 3.72 slots whatever so previously you essentially always rounded down so that group would get three then and the next like Right. And then, and so you always round it down. And then the remaining slots, you went and looked at the, just the decimal portion. The highest of the decimal points, right? Yeah. And then the highest I decimal gotcha. would get yeah. the next slot. So you would get these weird situations where an age group that earned 2.7 slots would get a more, another extra slot over an age group that should have earned 5.1. Does that make sense? Like it's weird. So it often ended up slightly benefiting age groups that were not as big. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. But the new way, which no one has figured out yet, no one has figured out, we're pretty sure 
does the same, like every age group gets a slot that has a starter. And then it basically just does it proportional from there. And then any remaining slots are allocated like largest age group first down. But they're not, but Russ is not 100% sure of that because his math still isn't working out. And he's going to do a blog post going into all the details because there's still some like races where what he, his math is saying should have happened isn't what's happening. So, wow. Isn't that crazy though? I think it's crazy. It's, but it, yeah, it is true that the new system is more proportional, even though that's like an oxymoron but it will slightly benefit the larger acreage groups and slightly hurt the mediums, like, which is essentially the women's, the women's age groups are going to lose spots. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll benefit the 40 to 45 year old, 44 year old men like massively. Right. Right. More or less. I mean, not like every time, but on the net total aggregate, they will be getting more of those additional slots at more races. Interesting. So if anyone's Mm -hmm. wondering why your age groups seem to be getting less slots, it's that is why we have a new math. algorithm yeah. <laughs> in the, in the, in the blank slate. What is the word I'm looking for? When you like, can't see through something, the untransparent. Yes. Behind the wall, no. <laughs> there <laughs> is a new <laughs> mathematical formula that is affecting the number of slots your age group. Got. I'm also sure I slightly explained this wrong and that I'm going to get a text message as soon as this airs. <laughs> okay. So, so. We're not counting on Kelly for 100% accuracy, but I think we got it mostly, right? Right. Okay, speaking of Kona, we got the news yesterday, I think. So today's Wednesday, so Tuesday, that Jan Ferdino is no longer racing. Which is crazy because he won 71.3 Worlds, like, what? what is it, nine days ago? So he, he broke his hip, fractured his hip? Is At fract- Worlds or after? Or was he, is it like a stress fracture? So it's a stress fracture. It's a stress fracture of the SI joint. Okay. So he ran, uh, those things don't just happen after. Like he must have been running his way into comfort. Yeah. It's always crazy to me when, I mean, I've known people who have stress fractured their hips, but that takes like a level of pain ignoring that is mind blowing. Yeah. I know people have run through stress fractures in their feet. But um, your hip is like crazy. I know. I know. It's even crazier. But even the feet one, when people run through it, I'm like, I don't know how. I don't yeah. know how you run through it. But he's foot. out for the rest of the season, which I do feel really bad because he's been having a killer season. Right. Uh, Kona just got like way less exciting. I was very excited I, I about know. Javi versus Jan versus Lionel. Ugh. Yes. I was definitely rooting for Jan, mostly because he like he represents the old guard. A little oh, bit, yeah. you know, and people like you said last week in the newsletter, like people for whatever reason, even though he's an Olympic champion, he's proven himself time and time again. People are like so quick to write him off or they're like, well, they're like, what did you do for me recently? Right. <laughs> it's like Javier or Lionel are going to take him down. Like and he was definitely standing up and saying through his performances. No, oh, yeah. that's not going to happen. Um, so it is a bit sad. I also wonder what you, I mean, I don't wonder, but I wonder what he's going to do now. Like, what do you do when you're, when you have one of those season ending injuries, when you, when things go to shit, like, how do you adjust? Uh, Cause I did see at Wisconsin this past weekend, a number of my friends, you know, or people like had bad races. And then you do the thing when after like, after your race goes to shit or you get hurt, you make like all these really portraits, right? You start being like, I'm going to do a hundred miler instead, whatever. To be fair, like Iron Man goes wrong like 75% of the time. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a reason that it's really hard to put together. Right. But like people literally cross that finish line and start like looking for what the next thing's going to be. Right. I think a lot of people just sign up for another race, right? 
Yeah, but I I mean, yes. Have you done some dumb things after races, oh, Kelly? Yeah. I'd so like after, to know them. I do many dumb things, Sarah, let's be fair. But <laughs> after DNFing Louisville, I ran Louisville last year, which was like I DNF basically it was a lack of sleep and being sick, right? It wasn't like an injury. So I was in a mood. I tried to go out and run an open marathon like the following weekend. Because I do. thought, right, because I was like, I'm fit enough. I didn't even like run. I have a sub three in me. I'm just going to do this. And it was a disaster. Like, well, if you DNF because so you're sick. Like, it was so what? bad. How it, was, it was terrible. I got halfway through it and I was like, this is a terrible idea. What was I thinking? <laughs> well, then, and also from my point of view, like as a pro athlete, like that you've also, like, sorry, as a pro athlete, like that you're the pro athlete. You've also like given away, like the hardest part of Ironman is the marathon. And the reason you need to rest between is the marathon. Right, right, right. But giving away your marathon just like quickly the next weekend. Right. I was was like, well, I didn't run a marathon, so I can just go out and do one. So I got this. (laughs) This is my logic. (laughs) Wow. That's some special logic. Yeah. What Um, about you? Come on. You had to have done something dumb. You know what? I think, okay, I have done something dumb and I will tell you, but I, I think for the most part, I'd have talked about this before on the podcast, like where bad races have been like one of the major influences in me having a good race. Right. Like where somehow it like sharpens me and hones me (laughs) where it's like, I am not going through that again. I'm going to do awesome the next time, you know, and somehow it, it works for me mentally. Interesting. Yeah. I've often even thought like, okay, where's going to be my throwaway race? Oh yeah, right. I have a throwaway so that, race at the beginning. So of the that year. the next yeah. one is going to be good, right? So, mm-hmm. but one of the things that that goes kind of along with that mindset then is that at times, if I have a bad race, I'll make mistakes leading up to the next one, like training too hard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm doing the next one better, and you exactly. think you know all the reasons why the last one went wrong, which you may or may not be right about. And if you decide that one of those reasons is like you didn't do enough run training or something, right, then things right. can like very quickly go badly when you end up like overdone in the next race. Ooh, ooh. I I have another story of something stupid I did (laughs) about that. I was having a series of like injuries going into my first Ironman ever. Like I tore a foot, whatever, series of injuries. And and then I, coming off all of those, crashed my bike and shattered my teeth. But I was freaking out about the fact that I wasn't trained, that I had had all these injuries and I wasn't trained. So I decided I didn't need teeth to train after like they put them back, whatever, after I had cosmetic surgery and like dental work. I was like, well, it's fine. That's not my legs. I don't need. So I just like kept training really hard. (laughs) And that ended really badly. Why? Just, well, I just, I just, I just turned into a mess. Right. Cause you like way overtrained, got super, super sick. Also like had fake teeth and still, and like, right. It was a mess. So don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Be do smart planning for your next after. If the race has gone wrong for you, if you were in Wisconsin and it went wrong for you, Smart planning for the next one, not stupid planning. <laughs> I need to know what stupid thing you've done now. That's and then we'll... Yeah. So there's lots of things people could email us about this week. So including <laughs> I, like this I asked because... you what was their stupid thing you did and you're just moving right past that. I'm just, I already said that I trained too hard. Oh, well that was okay. Fine. And I overtrained. I don't actually have like a spectacular story fine. for you. So I wish fine. I did right now, but I want other people's spectacular stories. So you can email me those too, along with your stupid injury stories. So Sarah at livefeisty.com. Okay. So after the break, we had a Facebook question from a listener who wants to know about how to make breaking up with a coach less awkward. 
We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real, and I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so have you broken up with coaches? I'm, assu- I'm assuming so over the years. Yes. And was it awkward? Was it terrible? <laughs> oh, that is a loaded question. Okay, I had a I got a long time on Darren Smith's squad, as people regular listeners know. And Darren Smith had an amazing Olympic distance squad and career in London. I think he had he had four women in the top eleven in the Olympic right. Games. Not as good an Ironman record, but he did do fairly well with me in terms of turning me into an athlete. Anyway, when I I don't I don't know what I want to say about this, but when I decided to leave, he then told everyone that he had kicked me out of the squad, <laughs> even though I had, he might be listening to this. <laughs> I know that he has, even though I was clearly the one who had made the decision to leave. So um, I heard from other people that Darren was going around saying that I get kicked out. Interesting. Um, okay. So okay. yeah, that was funny. Um, but I okay. And so, what did you learn? What would you tell our listener? What was her question? Read her question. Okay, so the exactly. question is, okay, so the question is, at the end of the day, I know it's business, but this coach has been with me since I started, which we can relate to, right? Because we uh-huh. have this sense of loyalty. Any advice on how to make this a less awkward situation? So she used the word awkward specifically. And then it's funny because when I was thinking about advice for this, my first thing that came to my head is like, there's no way to not make this awkward. It's okay. kind of like... The idea that you're going to avoid a difficult conversation, just put that out of your head. It's like it's going through it's going through a breakup with like with a lover is like the same kind of thing. So you should just ghost them and stop calling. Yeah. And it'll work out. That's what I'm hearing. Or maybe not a lover. Maybe I should say like a partner. It's like going through a breakup with a partner. You can't ghost them. So like you you have to go through the awkward. But I think as a coach myself and of course people move on. You know, one of the things that's been hardest for me from the other side is when someone actually doesn't have that awkward conversation with you. When you think everything is fine and you continue to coach them, and then you realize down the road that they've been doing someone else's training plan for the last month, they haven't had (laughs) enough, they haven't had enough gumption to come to you and just say, Hey, I need to break up. (laughs) And, and you're just like, huh? Like you're kind of sideswiped. So I think that actually like my best advice is to just like to deal with it head on, to be honest with the coach about why you feel like your needs aren't met. Cause maybe you could help that coach. I also think sometimes there are very, sometimes it's because of a very specific reason that's like reasonable, right? Like you want to go with a local person or like you, this thing changed or whatever. Like a lot of times there are actual logical it's not Absolutely. just like, I don't like you. There are reasons. And like as athletes, we need different challenges to our bodies too. So sometimes coaches, like cults, coaches can have multiple different ways of training people. 
but there's you're not going to get a, a, as different a training program for your body as you will if you change coaches. So I've actually even had athletes who have stayed with me for, you know, once they get up to like six, seven, eight years where I get to that place where I'm actually the one having the conversation with them. Like you're like, about, you have to go. <laughs> you, you need to move on. No, like if they're, a, if they're a performance athlete, like if they're a lifestyle athlete and they just like love the training I'm giving them and they like, they're fine just improving right. very incrementally year on year. But if there's someone who really wants to, to continue to improve, then sometimes the best thing for them is to actually have a different coach that has different, some different ideas and will give them different sessions. So I think just expect maturity from your coach. Talk be an to adult them straight. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Be a grown up, just like you would if you were breaking up with your partner. 